Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show presented by The Big Lead. I am your fearful host, Kyle Coster. I will be guiding you through this podcast that has my name on it. Funny how that works. The big news today is not the Super Bowl, though we will be talking about the big game and all things morning and football with Good Morning Football's Matt Hamilton in just a second. No, the top story today is clearly... CBS ordering a pilot of a reboot of early edition, the 1996 to 2000 series about a Chicagoan who inexplicably begins receiving a copy of the Sun-Times each morning that gives him the news 24 hours early. I am not ashamed to say this was my favorite show while it was on the air. Before I had a car, I had to gather with my parents on Saturday night First, we would watch Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Wild, wild program. Uh, Check out just a clip on YouTube. There's a lot going on. Nine o'clock, that's when Early Edition came on, starring a young Kyle Chandler, who we only knew as a former football player back then. He did not have this illustrious career. That included Friday Night Lights, The Wolf of Wall Street, and any number of fine television and movie vehicles that he's been in since. Great actor, great guy, super earnest. The show was awesome. The paper would be delivered. It would have the next morning's headlines on it. And then he would go about trying to fix whatever calamity that was coming. He had Fisher Stevens as a sidekick. It was just wholesome very fun. I wanted to be in newspapers and this was a show about newspapers. Later on, I would work for the Sun-Times, which was crazy. I cannot wait for this. I certainly hope they do not mangle it. It's so funny because they're going to have to change a lot about this because newspapers, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there is some thought out there that print's not doing well. Uh, Big Tech would have you believe that print isn't doing well and actual reality would have you believe that it's not doing so hot. But I kind of can't wait to see what type of device they enact to make this happen, to make it relevant in 2022. Details are sparse at this time, but I will convene an emergency podcast when more become available because there is nothing going on that has more of my focus right now even Rams Bengals but I did put aside the Chicago Sun-Times early edition news to talk to Matt Hamilton from Good Morning Football about his career about the show which has exploded in popularity and the big game TM in Los Angeles he had thoughts on Matt Stafford he used to work in the Lions scouting department he had thoughts on Joe Burrow there are a few laughs 
we pick a Mount Rushmore of Good Morning Football segments. Very, very creative. Nobody has ever done a Mount Rushmore on a podcast before. So without further ado, let's go to my interview with Matt. And if you don't hear from me tomorrow, enjoy the game. Go Rams, go Stafford. So Matt, you're out there in sunny Los Angeles as I look out my window and it's eight degrees and there's snow. I got to say, I'm very jealous, not just of getting to go to the Super Bowl, but enjoying some fun in the sun. What is the vibe like out there in terms of what you're encountering from both fan bases? And I know that we can't put too much stock into that before the game, but what's just kind of the general feeling what people are expecting on Sunday night? So it had, it is electric out here already. Um, you know, it's, it's a palpable excitement in the air around this game in the, in the city, and no matter where you go in LA, as you know, like pretty expansive city and no matter where you go, like there's Super Bowl buzz everywhere. And um, I think it is, is one of the biggest points of intrigue. I think out here is, uh, is what is, what is the fan, you know, what is the fan base going to look like? Is it going to be primarily Rams fans with them getting a game in their home stadium uh, or are the Bengals fans, you know, with this opportunity they've been waiting for for over 30 years, are they going to flock here? And I'm hearing from a lot of Bengals fans that they're coming in force. So uh, I'm really interested to see what the makeup of that stadium looks like on Sunday. Yeah, I kind of equate it to like being a Big Ten guy. It's when a team hasn't made the Rose Bowl in a long time, like after a three decade absence, and then they do. It's just pandemonium as anybody who had it circled. Boy, if that ever happens, I'm going to make sure that I got out there. Now, I think during the NFC Championship game, there was a lot of concern about the Niners fans overwhelming so far. There were things put in place, artificial uh, boundaries, maybe skirting legality that didn't really do their job. I think reports said it was about 65% San Francisco there. But I actually thought that when the Rams mounted their comeback, that the hometown fans were really helpful in that and got up to the moment. So I can't imagine them being totally outmatched in terms of energy and passion when this game kicks off. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think they got a chip on their shoulder because of, you know, showing up there and seeing how many Niners fans there were the, uh, the fans that were in attendance, the Rams fans that were there in attendance, they were, they were ticked off seeing that in their home stadium. And I think it, it brought more energy to it in a way. Because they're like, no, you're not inf infiltrating our house and, and outshining us. We're going to be loud. We're going to be energetic. And, and we're going to kind of help will this team down the stretch of this game. It, you're right. It, I feel like it did, it did have an impact there at the end. So you and I have known each other for a few years. I came out to report a story on Good Morning Football, got up at the crack of dawn, hung out with y'all. <laughs> and I want to thank you because I think that you were really helpful in establishing kind of just the general feel of the show and how it gets from inception idea to appearing on screen. Obviously the past few years, even since I wrote it, I think that the show has kind of exploded in popularity and maybe become a bit more mainstream. As we all know, morning television is the hardest real estate in the world because you're fighting with news, you're fighting with sports, you're fighting with entertainment and you're fighting with people, you know, just trying to get up and go to work. What has it been like to kind of see this show spread its wings and the positive feedback that it's been getting? And it seems like the momentum is only growing. Yeah, it's been, 
it's been beyond anything I could have expected, honestly, when, when we launched the show in 2016. I mean, we knew we had something special with the four hosts. Uh, that The chemistry from the second that they stepped on set uh, with Kay Adams, Peter Schrager, Kyle Brandt, Nate Burleson, you knew that there was, that there was a spark there. Uh, we just had to figure out the rest of it because <laughs> putting together a three-hour live show every day uh, was a big challenge, especially given that we we didn't really have a home base. We were working out of CBS's studios at the time. The infrastructure really wasn't set up for us because the network headquarters are out here in LA. So there was a lot we had to figure out on the production side, but we knew, you know, okay, we have something with the four of them that's the most important part. We'll kind of, you know, we had some rough goings early on, but we're able to, to find that footing, but yeah, now, um, you know, seeing what it's turned into the opportunities that's provided, you know, for our hosts, even outside of the show, uh, has been really special to see. Uh, I mean, even today we had, we had Blake Shelton on the show today and, um, you know, we know he watches the show a lot cause he'll tweet us a bunch, but I didn't know how into it he was. Like he, he, like bear hugged our newsman will salvo was asking him all these questions about his life like knew his whole story um i walked into to the green room you know i, I unless it's a guest that i'm prepping that i produced the interview for i kind of try to stay out of the way so like i'm in there like i had to go grab my computer and i walk in and he saw me and he came you know he came running over to me to shake my hand like you know um <laughs> That that was just kind of a surreal experience for me. So, and it kind of shows you how this show has is, is kind of boomed in, in popularity over the years and how people respond to it. Yeah, for some reason, I don't find it all that surprising that Blake Shelton is locked in to all types of football content. I feel like if you stopped him on the street, he could give you the four deep for like Oklahoma and have thoughts about <laughs> NIL. And honestly, it sounds like he should have his own football podcast, just talking it out right here. Please nobody steal yeah. that. He's probably probably pretty busy. Uh, he has a, he has a full calendar, but we'll see if we can get that to line up. Your title is producer, and I'm in the industry, and I know what that means loosely. But for people who don't follow as closely as I do, or have been able to kind of see behind the curtain, what does that mean? Like, kind of, what is your day to day process in churning out a product? So it's, uh, it means wearing a lot of different hats every day, honestly, um, you know, from, uh, from writing scripts, putting together scripts for the talent, um, even just talking things out. Like I know you sat in one of my sessions with, with Kyle Brandt, where we're just going through each segment and, you know, each one of them has a different process for how to get there. You know, some of them are more football focused with Kyle, you know, you want to bring the football, but also have some comparisons. Like I helped him out the other day with, um, you know, a comparison between the Bengals um, being in the Super Bowl and Matthew McConaughey winning an Oscar. Um, <laughs> as you do, as you do. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, so kind of talking, having those conversations with them and just collaborating and coming up with ideas um, to cutting together X and O breakdowns. Like I have one uh, for D'Angelo Hall tomorrow, just on the, on the Rams defense that we put together just showing all the different things they do up front and how they use the talented pieces of Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Um, you know, not just that those guys are as talented as they are, but that they use them in a unique way. Um, you know, so I'll cut together that X's and O coaching tape breakdown. Every day is a little bit different, which is fun. But, uh, and yeah, and as I said, for interviews, like I'll write the questions for the interview guests, Jonathan Taylor, we had on today, you know, Kyle does his famous angry run segment. 
uh, Taylor is a mainstay that he's been on eight times. So we did a little behind the anger uh, and had him break down some of the runs from his perspective, which was awesome. He's, he's incredible on camera. He probably has future in this business as well, but, uh, but yeah, so really there's just, there's a lot of different hats and it's, it's pretty much uh, I'm plugged in from 5am till the moment I go to sleep and you never know what the demands are going to be each day. Our hosts, our hosts like to push us a lot. And uh, we try to answer the bell always as best we can. Um, but it's good. It's good to work with hosts that are that passionate about the show and they want to they want to push the boundaries. They want to try to keep growing. And even if it means sometimes getting that text from Peter at 930 at night, like when I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning the next day. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a great thing that they care that much about the show and, and they push us to grow it. Well, I have to think that it's particularly rewarding on good morning football because it's not this stayed stale product i think that when you look around they're trying more things than other people try now are you gonna bat a thousand on that no and maybe we can get into some of uh (laughs) your more memorable failures i actually do want to get you get you on the record for that but it is the willingness to take risks and i think that when you're handing the ball off uh, to the stable of on-air talent that you have around there that must feel like a really great thing to do. Because like, if you want to make the analogy of them being playmaking wide receivers, even if the ball's not right where it needs to be, they can adjust on the fly. And everyone has their specific set of skills. So you will tailor what you're writing and what you're bringing to the table based on the way that they perform. What does that look like? Yeah, and that's that's something that comes with getting to know getting to know them, and and luckily that was something you know I was able to get a good handle on. I feel like early on, just because they all bring such different skill sets to the table, and um, you know, doing now I think it's been over sixteen hundred shows that we've done together. You just kind of know, you know, when you're writing in Kay's voice, it's you know, it's it, you do it a certain way. When you're writing for Kyle, you know, you have to you want to write things in their voice as much as you can, or when you're giving them information, give it to them in a way that, you know, you know, in a manner that, you know, that they like to apply it. And, um, you know, it just takes getting to know them and watching them and, and getting a feel for their voice and, and just being around it, you know, for that many reps, you start to, you know, when I see something, you know, I start thinking about it like Peter, like how I know he would approach it when he's talking about it. And, you know, and I think that's the thing I've tried to cultivate with the hosts. That's that's one of the biggest things I worked on from the moment I started with the show is how can I approach each segment with their voice in mind and make it as authentic to them as I possibly can. And then, you know, even as I do that, like they'll see it and they'll they'll see something and bring their own flavor to it. It's not just me writing it or me putting it together. It's always a collaborative effort with them which is, I think, what makes it work, because they're not just selling something that I put together. It's something that we that we craft uh, hand in hand. Yeah, since I brought it up, what is uh, the biggest dud that you've had? Or if not that, what is the thing that makes you most nervous? I think um, the first year of our show, uh, you know, we launched in September of 2016. So the Halloween show of that year, uh, two months in, and um, I don't know exactly where the idea came from um but we had a halloween segment of spooky names and it was just them uh going around the table and reading off names like jack young blood and that was the entirety of the segment that was um there was nothing more to it 
that that was it and um but as you said with the way that the four of them are they take something like that and and turn it into a moment and turn it into something great because they're just like in the middle of it, like what the hell are we doing like we're just reading a list of names like this isn't a segment like they start like you know crapping on the segment while it's on the air but in like you know not in a way that's putting anybody down it's just like you know just having fun with it having fun with like how ridiculous it was and and those are the moments that I think resonate with the viewers the most because they don't always take it so seriously and you know do everything by the book they're willing to take a step back and kind of break that fourth wall and be like you know <laughs> we're being really stupid right now like yeah, I think that and that's, kind of poke fun at ourselves. But I think that that's key because you can't, you know, if you're super self-serious all the time and you're not going to acknowledge when things are going off the rails a little bit, then the moment that you do, it's such a break of character that I feel like the audience doesn't ride with you for that because they're just like, oh, okay, well, they're just hitting the eject button instead of like having fun at it, laughing at their self. It doesn't read as organic and honest. I was curious if you're willing if we could put our heads together and come up with a Mount Rushmore of good morning football segments. You got to put anger on on there okay. uh, with how much that's taken off and taken on a life of its own. I mean, these guys like go out there, set out to win the, the anger on sector. Now it's, it's, it's affected the running back position across the league. So I think that is, uh, that's definitely up there. I think even though we don't see it a whole lot, I think it, I think it adds to the effectiveness that we don't see it a lot. The Wall Streeter segment uh, with Peter and Kyle, I think, you know, every time that that goes out, like we have people asking, tweeting every day, when is Wall Streeter coming back? When is Wall Streeter coming back? Because it's just um, such an absurd segment. But here's the thing about that is why it needs to be rationed out and only break the glass in case of emergency is it might be fun to go out with them for a night. It's not going to be fun to go out with them Friday and Saturday. You're going to need about six months to recover. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think Kyle needs six months to recover from that segment when he's done, because when he gets into character, he, he commits and uh, you know, it takes a toll on <laughs> you can't, you can't be at that energy level all the time. Um, even sometimes during anger runs, I'm genuinely concerned that he's going to pass out. Um, you know, people think it's just an, like, no, he's like legitimately out of breath sometimes afterwards and, uh, you know, seeing stars, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, my conspiracy theory is that's what sparked the fitness craze is he just didn't want to keel over and pass out on set. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's what, you know, hammered into him. Like, Hey, I need to get, I need to get in better shape here because I can't have this happen to me. <laughs> You know, when you look at a, a more recent edition of the show that's been that's been really good is uh, the long show with Kay, where we go through like some of the longest plays of the week, and we have different challenges for the host that they have to complete within you know however long that play took to run. So the play is ten seconds long, and you know we have Kyle with a hula hoop having to keep it up for ten seconds, um, <laughs> or and you know all his uh, innuendos that come along with that um that's been a really fun segment that just always seems to always seems to work every week and then uh whiteboard wednesdays is the original um they always say you know they have a saying that whiteboard wednesday is undefeated um it always you know there's always something out of that that travels and and you know that ends up becoming a hit so i'd say yeah i'd put those four up there um 
I mean, I also, you know, I, I'm trying to keep my bias out of it too from some of the segments that I, that, I, that are my babies. Like, uh, you know, what used to be the Burr lesson, we still do, a, uh, fill, you know, the film breakdowns that we do every week now with our rotating cast of guest hosts. That's something that, um, you know, I put a lot of time and a lot of effort into and getting all the fancy, with the edit, working with the editors, getting all the fancy graphics on there. And, um, you know, so those, I think, add that football, you know, because as much as we like to have fun, I think that gives us our, you know, hardcore football element to the program as well. I'm hoping one day maybe we can add, add Hammerton to that to that list, but uh, you know, not there yet. But I'm hoping. <laughs> great plug, great plug. Always be selling yourself. <laughs> this year has seen you in front of the camera far more often than you ever have been in your life. How did that come about, and what's it been like to kind of create a staple of the show? Uh, in hopes of, uh, you know, usurping a place on the Mount Rushmore off one of the uh, segments you previously mentioned. Yeah, and that, um, that's something that came, I didn't, it, I never had the ambition of being on there. I never really thought about it. And uh, we got this DraftKings sponsorship. This is the first year we were allowed to talk about sports betting on the show or use betting lines in any way. And um you know, as we talk about, it's about authentic authenticity with the hosts. And that wasn't really a space where any of our hosts were, were truly comfortable. And one of the senior level producers on the show, Bill Henschel, um, who happened to, you know, sit in, he would hear those conversations I would have with Kyle in the morning. It actually started when, during COVID, uh, when we were on a remote and the hosts would fire up their cameras and you, you could hear their phone calls and hear what they were doing, hear what they were saying before the show. And Bill would hear Kyle and I talking, he would hear Ken and I talking. And he was like, you have a lot to say, like you bring a lot to the table. And, um, you know, I didn't know you did all of this before the show until I got this window kind of into this world. And um, he was like, you know, you should start doing your own stuff on air. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. I've never been in front of a camera before. <laughs> um, and then when this opportunity came up from DraftKings, he brought my name up. He was like, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And it's the type of thing, you know, I, while it terrified me, I, I was like, I have to try it. It's an opportunity, you know, the opportunity to do something like that is never going to come along again. So let me give it a shot. And um, I wasn't sure how I feel about it, but I, I really ended up enjoying it. And the hosts have been just so supportive with it. And uh, that takes a lot of the nerves out when you know you have four people out there that have your back and are going to be that supportive of you. It just makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I would I would imagine. What was that first time doing it like? What was the uh, what were the what were the nerves like? How many hours of sleep did you get? Uh, very little. Um, <laughs> the nerves. I was just trying hard not to shake while I was doing it the entire time. Um, the best thing for me, because initially it was only supposed to be um, for one week. I, I was going to do it every day for one week, and that was the end of the sponsorship. And uh, DraftKings ended up picking picking it up after that for the, the entirety of the regular season and then for the playoffs and then again for the Super Bowl, fortunately. Um, but yeah, but that that first week that I was doing it every day, I was also, um, you know, I coach high school football at, at New Rochelle High School in New York, and we were having uh, three-a-day practices <laughs> at the time. So I was not really sleeping much at all um, just because of that. And my mind was constantly occupied, I'm, you know, not only am I doing delivering the segment on air, you know, I'm producing it start to finish, um, producing my other segments in the show and everything else I have to do on a daily basis for the show and then coaching. So 
Uh, I think that was the best thing for me because it kept me from overthinking it. It kept me from getting in my head. It kept me from getting too nervous because it was just, you know, I have to, I just had to get through everything and I didn't have time. I didn't really have time to be nervous and sitting around and think too much. So um, that allowed me to settle in and get more comfortable. You're listening to the Kyle Coster Show, Grand Rapids only sports and pop culture program. I'm speaking with Matt Hamilton, producer of Good Morning Football. Let's talk about the actual Super Bowl. Now, if there's one thing anybody knows about me, it's that I'm a diehard Matt Stafford fan. Um, I know that you spent some time with the Lions. I have, I'm, I've been effusive in my praise. I'm just extremely happy for him as a person because I think when he was in Detroit, he was the consummate teammate. Everybody who played with him liked him. And I think that most of the fan base, like myself, knew that he was capable of winning a Super Bowl if he had the right ingredients around him. And when the trade happened, you know, he negotiated his way out the correct way, I believe, in order to reduce any type of animus. And I think that he has a huge portion of Lions fans who have never had anything to root for pulling for him. What has impressed you most about what he's done over the past three weeks? Because I knew he had it in him, but to outduel. Tom Brady like that when the moment called for it and then to conjure up that come from behind victory against the 49ers who are like a boa constrictor as soon as they start to suck the life out of you it gets really hard it gets really tight I forget who that throw he made to kind of seal the deal but it was just an absolute dime what has stood out about Stafford to you? It was that it was Cooper Cup on that one uh, where he threaded the needle and you know got them into field range that was just unbelievable he just snuck it right past the hand of the defender um but yeah what's what stood out to me is 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 kind of what you just what you just hit on which is we didn't know what we'd see from him in those big pressure moments in a big game because we we've seen it so rarely and the ability to just to raise his game i mean the throw to cup uh against the buccaneers on that play where you know they run that play a hundred times and it never goes to cup but he just saw the look and, and took his shot and threw an absolutely perfect ball downfield. And, um, and again, yeah, that, that, that last drive against the, against the Niners, especially after, you know, he had that one mistake early in the drive where he kind of threw a duck and Japosky Tart couldn't bring it in. Um, and you're like, Oh, here we go. Like he's, he's, he's not gonna, you know, is this the time, is this the moment where like the big situation, the spotlight catches up with him? And immediately after that, he hits Odell for a huge gain. He hits Cup a couple more times and, and, and takes control from there. So uh, I just think that ability to step up in those situations has stood out to me. And, and it's funny because a lot of – it's a layered issue to talk about Stafford because, you know, there are people like, oh, he still, you know, throws a lot of interceptions. He still makes a lot of mistakes. And, there, and there's also the narrative, which I think is unfair, that he never had anything around him in Detroit. Uh, because when I was out there, I mean, there were there were some very talented rosters. Um, remember, 2014, they had the number two defense in the league. Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate playing at a high level. You had Reggie Bush and Joyke Bell, which were a dynamic backfield tandem. But the thing about that, I don't think he hadn't done the growing that he needed to do yet to t- fully take advantage of that team. He, in a way, as it's not anything against Calvin Johnson because obviously – He's one of the most phenomenal receivers to ever play the game. But having that so early on in his career, I think, stunted his growth because he became so dependent on, all right, I have the best best athlete in the world out there. I'm going to 
get him the ball and he's going to come down with, you know, he's going to make the play more often than not. And he wasn't going through his progressions always the way he needed to. He wasn't seeing the field as well as he needed to because he didn't really have to at times. And I think that's where it bit him when he played better defenses. That's where it would catch up to him. And one of the, and I noticed it while I was there at practices uh, working in that scouting department that he was better. He was, he was getting better when Calvin wasn't on the field because it was kind of forcing him to do those things. And then I think where you saw the transition in his career was that 2016 season when Calvin retired. And that's when uh, that was one of the best seasons of his entire career was when they didn't really have a true number one receiver. And uh, he had the best touchdown interception ratio he's ever had. And he had those, I think it was nine fourth quarter comeback wins that year to get them into the playoffs. And that's where I think you saw him really start to grow. And it was a shame because the talent around him at that point just diminished so much that, you know, there's only so much you can do with the talent level that he had there towards the end. But now he is the perfect storm. He has the talent and he's matured and developed into his finest form and um, as a quarterback. And, and so that's why you're seeing, you know, the results play out the way that they are. You know, and on the other side, we have Joe Burrow, who's getting comparisons to Tom Brady, Joe Montana. I know that we're very prisoner of the moment when it comes to this. <laughs> I guess the question I would want to ask you, is this the beginning of something or is it kind of the end of a magical run for Burrow? I'm not saying that they're going to lose the game, but the way I see it is they've been somewhat lucky to advance to this position three straight weeks. Like, it's funny how winning and a field goal kicker can change legacies and change perceptions for everybody in the world. Because if they lose that first game against Las Vegas, we're not having this conversation. Joe Burrow's going into the yeah. next season being like the sixth or seventh quarterback on everybody's mind. He has the chance to capitalize on it. I am just open to the idea that this might be his only chance to capitalize on it because we know how hard it is to climb to the top of the mountain each and every year in the NFL. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. There's no guarantees of anything in this league. Um, but I think he's for real. And I, I think it's not just what he's done in this playoff run, but what he did throughout the regular season. Remember the way he ended it with uh, those back-to-back games throwing for almost a thousand yards uh, and it's, it's more than just with him. It's, it's tough because we, I remember I was having a conversation with Kay and it was actually after the chargers blew out the Bengals and it was, would you rather have Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? And everybody at that point is, Oh, you know, her is still is on the Herbert train. And I said to Kay, I'm like, uh, you know, I love Herbert. He's, he's a tremendous talent. Um, but he still doesn't have, you know, that feel for the game in certain moments. He still doesn't make good decisions in, in, in crucial moments of the game. Um, while he's physically more gifted, Joe Burrow mentally is at a level, and uh, there aren't many quarterbacks I've seen in their second year in the league that are on the level Joe Burrow is mentally. Um, and, you know, he has the accuracy. The arm strength isn't anything, you know, that that is going to blow you away. But he's got the accuracy, and he's such a good decision maker, and he finds the open man, and he's able to pick apart your defense mentally in a way that most young quarterbacks are not able to do. And uh, when you look at the quarterbacks who have had really sustained, consistent runs of success in this league, that's what they have that the other guys don't. And, and that's guys like Peyton Manning, guys like Tom Brady that didn't have the arm talent that's going to blow you away, but they were great year in and year out. And I think Joe Burrow is that type of quarterback. 
and and the way he's been tested during this playoff run and and I think what he has that's that's almost impressed me more than those guys you never see him rattled we saw Peyton Manning get rattled at times we saw Tom Brady get hit a bunch of times by the Giants in the Super Bowl and get kind of shell-shocked we just saw Joe Burrow get sacked nine times and he just brushed it off and it was like it never happened so not saying that he's better than those guys yet at this stage but I'm just saying like that's that's a characteristic that you can't teach, that you can't learn. It's either something you have or you don't, and he, and he has it. But it's more than that. It's not that that he doesn't mind getting hit. I think he wants to get hit. I think in his perfect world, he would drop back and just get leveled on the first play of the game because he's better. Like It almost like unlocks yeah. something in, to, in him. And I think that you can see with quarterbacks who like contact, it's pretty far and few between, but they play the game like a playmaker, you know, like I understand why yeah. that would translate to, okay, I'm going to go out and do everything I can to extend this play. I'm, I know I'm going to get hit. I just think that level of toughness, we talk about how smart he is and you know, much better than I do how that looks on film. But when we watch sports, we understand that some people just have it and other people will never have it. And I can't remember the last quarterback where it was just clear that they had the moxie where this is never going away. This is always who he's going to be. And then he's going to build this level of recall and get to the point where he's seen everything that opposing defenses are trying to do to him. Uh, I, I really think it's, it's really special. And as much as I like the Rams, it is really hard to bet against him because I, I just seems like a guy who you're going to have to take it from him by brute force. The one concern, of course, is that offensive line of the Bengals. And I do worry about this being such a mismatch up front that it's not going to matter how good Burrow is. What's your thoughts on how Cincinnati's O-line holds up? Yeah, and that's definitely the biggest concern in this game and the biggest thing to watch. It's going to be very hard with, with what the Bengals have to work with to be able to contain Aaron Donald and Von Miller. I think the biggest thing that we're going to have to see from them is throwing wrinkles at the Rams to make those guys have to hesitate. And that's things like screens, jet motions, draws. If you just mix, mix up the bag as much as you can and make those pass rushers have to hesitate and think and read before they react, even if it's just a half second, that can be the difference between, you know, your offensive lineman getting blown past and being able to hold up okay in that pocket. And uh, I think that's we're going to have to see a masterful game plan from Zach Taylor as far as mixing up the different wrinkles they throw at the Rams. And we saw it against the Chiefs. They really got the screen game going, and it was a huge part of that comeback. They obviously had the big touchdown of Samaji Pira, and they had another huge play to mix in in there as well. Um, I think that's actually going to be what I'm going to be talking about this Friday for my segment. I'll actually show some film of those examples. Um, but I think that's – that's going to be the key if they're going to pull this off. They got to get the screen game, the misdirection stuff going to, to just force those guys to freeze just a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. We just did big predictions at the big lead. And one of mine was that Mixon gets 25 carries because I think that Cincinnati will try to shorten the game. Los Angeles will probably scheme against that screen, which has been so reliable. And really that one play to me is why they came back. If they don't hit that big before halftime, forget about it. It's over. Like we're not yeah. having this conversation. How do you watch a game? How will you watch the Super Bowl? Are you able to just kind of enjoy it as a game of football or how does your brain need to be processing it so that you're ready to go and do your job on Monday morning? 
That's that's a great question. And um, I always, you know, my background was coaching first. So I always look at the game analytically. I never get to fully sit back. I mean, I enjoy looking at the game that way. It's, you know, I may be sick, but um, I do. I do enjoy kind of constantly the wheels constantly churning. And um, I'll be there. I always try to get a vantage point. You know, we have media passes and we're kind of standing in the stadium, but I always try to get a vantage point that, uh, you know, gives me kind of that coaching bird's eye view um, where I can kind of see what's going on um, with the coverages, with what's going on up front. And um, yeah, that's, you know, I, I stood with one of our, uh, at the Super Bowl in Miami and, and in Atlanta, I stood with our uh, one of our other producers, Chris Schwartz, and, you know, he kind of, <laughs> He kind of picks my brain and I kind of give my own commentary throughout the game for him um, on what I see, what's going on. Um, and I, and I kind of enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of always watching, always looking for things when I, when I watch these games from an analytical standpoint, for sure. Um, we have that show to do the next day. So we gotta, we gotta have storylines. We gotta be able to, you know, pick apart uh, and see what's standing out about the game plans for each team too. So last question here as we close kind of on a media note, your journey to get where you were, what piece of advice would you give people who see what you want to do? Um, it's such a hard thing to get in, but what is one lesson that you learned that you were really able to apply that you think is kind of been tied to your success? Obviously it takes some luck, but once, what's one thing that you did that everybody can control and apply? I think one thing is you have to be really passionate about what you're doing. And it's not just, you know, it's not just media. It's not just, but like, you know, the game of football is obviously an enormous passion of mine. And, um, you know, I have that like thirst to just to want to constantly learn want to constantly get better. I think you have to, you can't just stay in your bubble. You have to constantly try to learn um, from what's going on around you. And you're, you're exposed to so many different perspectives in this industry. If you stay within your own perspective, you're, you're never going to get better. And I think that's the thing that being a part of good morning football really did for me more than anything else is because I always, you know, the shows I worked on previously, like playbook, just a full X's and O's show. I was in the coaching world, I was in the scouting world. And, you know, I had that drier kind of approach to the game of just X's and O's meat and potatoes. And then good morning football forced me to, to tap into that other side of my brain, the creative side, the pop culture side, all that. And um, it made me realize how much fun fo football can be too. Um, but if I had stayed in and I'm like, no, I'm this serious football person and I'm just going to do X's and you know, I never would have grown and um, I wouldn't have been right for the show and it never would have worked out. But I, I, I opened my eyes and I saw when I saw Kyle's approach thing, when I saw up here, it made me realize, wow, like there's so much more we can do with this and it works and it's fun and it's exciting. And, you know, um, even though it, it wouldn't have been what I would have thought of or how I would have approached it, I realized it worked and I changed the way that I looked at, at producing television from it so I think it's just having that open mind and really you know being open to how things are going paying attention to what people are responding to um and just being willing to change I think is the is the is the biggest thing yeah and it's really good advice because you can learn to do thing you can learn how to do a lot of things well and you can also kind of capture different segments 
of the audience based on what you want to do that day. And it makes you a much better teammate. That's been Matt Hamilton of Good Morning Football. Enjoy the game. Uh, enjoy the wrap up show on Monday. I'm sure everybody's going to be bleary eyed. And then Tuesday as well. And then on to the off season. There'll be many months without football, but you guys are really, really good at filling it. Thanks so much, man. Thank you so much for having me, Kyle. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.